What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. <laughs> Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, the presenting sponsor of A is for Alcoholic is, as always, the Green Camel Press. Um, People have been asking me, and by people, I mean nobody... Uh, so I want to tell you what the Green Camel <laughs> Press is all about. So it's me and my other uh, business partner, and we do a lot of creative artwork. Uh, we do um, we have T-shirts available for sale. We do uh, dr- lots of drawings. We're working on a comic book. We're working on some labels. We are doing all kinds of cool stuff right now. The artwork that we're doing, we do a lot of these things called digital doodles. If you haven't checked us out on Instagram, that's where most of the the work is showcased. You can see it all on greencamelpress.com as well, but, or at Green Camel Press. Um, And yeah, so Green Camel Press is a, what do I always say? What's the tagline, Jerry? And and a, a design firm. With an old school aesthetic in a digital That's age. That's what it was. So, Bring in 1994 <laughs> to 2019. Yes. So go check out greencamelpress.com. Go buy a t-shirt. Help support AS for Alcoholic. Um, they, are, they are, I am our sponsor. And um, we also have another sibling podcast, which is more of a lighthearted comedy kind of uh, thing called Gluten Is Not Your Problem. About yeah. it's it's basically the the life story and the musings of our friend Walter Schmidt, um, who is a hell of a character, uh, to say the least. He's lived quite an interesting life, and he has right. some very obstinate opinions about food, life, people, manners, everything. everything. Yeah, all of it. Um, and he never cries. He like never cries during the part podcast. No, this podcast is not hit the eight. Uh, the gluten is not your problem. It's not a crying podcast. Not really. I mean, I I don't want to try and make him cry, but um, it's he. I've and never I, seen him cry, so I don't know. I don't think I've seen him cry either. And we drank with him for years, and he didn't even do the drunken cry. No, I did plenty of which those. Was, yeah, me too. We did it in front of each <laughs> other a few times. Um, <laughs> I, you know, oh, have you listened to the latest episode? I've been listening to that audio book. <laughs> okay. Um, so the latest episode of Gluten Is Not Your Problem, we talk about all of his scars. So we went through a whole the whole chronology of his scars from the the baby kidney cancer that he had. Yes. Yeah. To the um, putting his arm through a plate glass window to save a damsel in distress. Yeah, and he talked about showing up at my house completely covered in dry blood. No, we didn't. Yeah, he showed up at my house the next day, and it looked like he had poured a gallon of paint on himself. Oh God, he didn't crazy, even. Dude. She didn't even shower up. He just showed. No, up. No, he like came right from the hospital, and he had like a. It looked like he had poured a bola, like a, a huge pot of like broth on himself. It was crazy. Jesus. So, these I, and I know this is maybe not what you want to hear on a, uh, a recovery podcast, but you know, um, he, we were all there for a lot of this stuff, and we were. Um, yeah definitely culpable in in a lot of it as well but right it's more than just that there's lots of funny stories it's not just yeah yeah this one was just about the scars we went through all the scars because you know it, there there there's always an interesting story with your uh, everybody's got scars right mm-hmm. we all got stories to tell yeah. his just are like wes anderson movies <laughs> yes they are it's yeah. it's like if um, it's like scorsese in a wes anderson movie is what it's like it, it is yeah like he's like this is my falcon scar from my falconeering days <laughs> exactly yeah. well there's the one he does he tells the story where he was up on the rooftop fighting a guy in hand-to-hand combat 
and the guy bites down on him and won't let go. Like he's fucking Batman. Yeah. So I know that guy. It's the same guy punched through a window. Yes. There had, yeah. yeah. That he had, he was punching at. This so, is our G is for gluten. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> gluten is not your problem. Go check it out. And, um, yeah, with that, let's, um, let's talk some, let's talk some recovery. So yeah, this week, is the letter S already, which I can't believe it's gone. The alphabet's gone by so fast this year. Yeah, it really has. Um, so we wanted to discuss the, not necessarily spiritual versus secular, but the spiritual and secular aspects of recovery. Right. Um, you know, because the the particular 12-step that we pr- prescribe to um, will we'll tell you that the cure for alcoholism is a spiritual one, that the malady is a spiritual one. And I think that that's something that resonated with both Jerry and I eventually. (laughs) But when you're, when, or when I was, you know, mired in the, in the really dark, heavy um, drinking days and then just coming out of it, like just waking up and getting sober for like a week the last thing you want to think about is is God or, you know, am I spiritually fit? What does it mean to be spiritually fit? Do I need to have a spiritual program? Um, do I need to pray? What is a prayer? I've tried to, you know, I've I've had to, I've tried to um, define a prayer very many times to myself, and um, you know, the best thing I can do is is the best that I've come up with is. It's kind of like a, um, you know, we talk about praying to a higher power. If it's not a higher power, it's it's a hope that you, that I think, along with a little bit of work, can can be possible. Depending, I mean, you can't pray for. I mean, I guess you can pray for anything, um, but my particular brand of God doesn't just grant me wishes no it's not he's no. not like genie or anything like that it's not it's not shaquille o'neal <laughs> it's not it's not Sh- shazam or whatever kazam where kazam. he comes out and isn't teaches you how to play basketball and shit. no 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 um, mine neither but in the beginning there's a lot a lot of it is there's the mechanics of getting sober right you just one don't drink before mm-hmm. you even before anybody says anything about god to you um, or even discuss it. And uh, some people don't even require it. Um, but I know yeah. that it was something that once I was given the, um, given the opportunity to think about and to write about and to, to try and understand what it meant to me to be spiritually fit, to be spiritually healthy, you know, just to have a good feeling to have. And, and I think of it a lot of times as energy, right? So, right. When I was drinking, I was vibrating super low in the dark, really like bad, bad vibes. I mean, you think about a hangover. What is that except just bad energy pulsing through your body? Poison, right? you know? Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> I look at myself almost four years later now where I'm, you know, getting up at seven o'clock in the morning and fucking hiking four miles up a hill and then right. coming back down. Yeah. Um, that's a higher energy. So whatever the word is, I, I think is less important than the feeling that you get, you know? Yeah. I mean, what do you, uh, how do you come to terms with the idea of spirituality in your recovery? Do you, is it a daily thing? Do you kind of, is it in the background? Uh, it, it, it is, uh, it's a daily thing. My approach to it is, I don't know if it's unique. Maybe it is because I am a unique little man. But um, <laughs> when I when I first had to like kind of accept it, you know, because I was really resilient to it or resistant to it, and probably resilient too. I was mm-hmm. like, man, I ain't having none of that. But um, it was like this placeholder for the unknowable. But I, I I feel like I used it a lot in a really selfish way in the beginning because I felt like it it was a lot about trying to give up control. And a lot of my active alcoholism was about trying to control and manipulate and micromanage everything around me and trying to make things work out to my benefit constantly. And I think uh, when I got sober and I couldn't use the alcohol as my higher power, as the thing that I used to control and manipulate shit around me, 
I had to find another way to do that and realize that there was no other way to do that. So I just had to let it go. It was all fucking frozen. It was all Elsa, dude. Like I say, it's all Elsa. I had to let it go, man. And so for me, the higher power was my way of letting it go. Without actually saying I need to let this go and just drop it, I had I would I would convince myself that maybe there is something else, something or I don't know something else out there that'll take care of it, or maybe it'll just take care of itself. Because how many times did I not pay a fucking bill and say, oh, this it'll just take care of itself, and then it went into collections. So how hard? Why would it be so hard for me to think? Okay, well, this situation I'm in with a coworker, or with a friend, or my spouse. I'll just I'll just let it go and it'll take care of itself. But I just had the hardest time. I had to keep poking at those things and trying to fix them. Whereas if I had just applied the same thing I was using in a negative way and tried to use it in a positive way, like, well, this thing between us, I can't manipulate or change, so I need to let it go. So I had to put my the higher power was my placeholder and I said, Well, the bear, the universe, death, whatever it is that was on my mind in the moment, that will that will take care of it, you mm-hmm. know. And so I still use that to this day. I just have to let things be, you know. And for anybody um, who's who's listening um, for the first time, who is the bear? What is the bear? How do you? Well, it's it's not like I walk around. That? I'm like, and I never. It's not like I eat dinner and I'm like, all right, we all pray to the bear now, or like bear B, blessed bear. It's no nothing weird like that. It's just they had me come up with it, try to come up with a higher power when I first got into that twelve step program, and I couldn't find one. I was raised Catholic. I was not going to, it wasn't going to be Jesus because the Jesus I saw in church was all beat up. He had a black guy. He was hanging on a cross bleeding everywhere, all bummed out. Like, what the fuck, yo? So I couldn't think of anything. And then one day I came to this realization that if it was first nature, like if I went out into the woods without a jacket and there was a cold snap, I would die. And that was a power greater than me. But the nature seemed too abstract. I needed something more intense, like something like, you know what I mean? So the bear was my higher power because- If I went out in the woods without a jacket and without like bear repellent, even if I had bear repellent, the bear would kick my ass if I happened to want to wrestle him, you know, or, you know, try to pet the little bear cub. No, puppy. don't, I don't do know. it. Right. So that was a power greater than me. It was like this. It wasn't necessarily an evil force. It was an indifferent force that could chew me up and spit me out. And that's the way I kind of looked at my higher power. And I still kind of do. It's like. Do I sit here and think, oh, my higher power watches out for me and take care of me? No, not necessarily. I really feel like it's like the universe. It's indifferent. But if you give it its respect and shit, do you know what I'm saying? Like things Mm -hmm. work out the way they work out. It's almost like entropy or chaos. It's more like the chaos bear now. You know, like these things have a way of working out the way they work out. And so it's not up to me to make those things work out. So now I call it the bear because the bear is a power greater than me. And I watched a lot of Grizzly Adams when I was a kid. On like Nick at Night or something? Yeah, no, it was just on normal TV. I'm pretty oh. old, dude. I mean, I, don't, I was in <laughs> syndication. We weren't getting like the new episodes, no. you know, but it was on syndication. KPHO TV5, dude, Southern Arizona. That's where shout I, out. Shout out to KPHO. What's up, Wallace and Ladmo? So that, Arizona <laughs> listeners will know that shit. So that's, um, so that idea, instead of thinking of it as a, as a, as a man in the sky or as some sort right. of holy light from above. Yeah. It's just, it's right. a very much a, at least at first grounded in reality, just to kind of, um, have it's pragmatic. Prag- was, thank you. I was using a lot of pragmatism. I still do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, an, it's a new word I learned. <laughs> I think, well, I think it's important again. Um, you know, we just talk from the perspectives that we have and right. I think in going through a step program of any kind um, and there's sort of that spiritual aspect that everyone gets stuck on. I shouldn't say everyone. A lot of people talk about getting stuck it, it, on. It turns people off. It turns. It, yes, it does. And and then we have a, a shared friend who went into the 12 step program. And I remember speaking to them on the phone and I was like, you know, you got to be careful because not be careful, but just be open-minded because they're going to talk about God and use that God word a lot and all that shit. You remember this conversation? Mm-hmm. He spoke to them later and they said, well, I don't know what Jerry was tripping about. They didn't realize it was a Catholic school my whole fucking <laughs> yeah. life, you know? And like, yes. I was trying to treat it with these kid gloves. And I mentioned on the podcast before this situation and I was like, oh, duh, no shit, you know, because I tried whenever I have people who are interested in coming into the rooms or into these programs that I attend, I always, they ask me about it. Is it a cult or this or that? And I always say, no, there, I mean, in my opinion, there are some culty aspects to it, 
but it's not a cult, but there is like a lot of spirituality in those rooms and it doesn't have to be a Christian spirituality, even though the guy who wrote it, you know what I mean? was a pretty mm-hmm. Christian dude. And like, it was kind of a little evangelical the steps were, but you know, like they're really Buddhist too. And I don't know, man, like, yeah. Why didn't you realize I went to fucking Catholic school from the time I was born until I graduated? I was like, That's Oh, great. right, dude, you, that shit, that shit turned me off though. I walked in those rooms and heard it. And like, mm-hmm. the only reason me I too. stayed in the beginning is because it was a place for me to be. That wasn't a bar. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I, I was the same way. I was asked to write, I, I, we've talked about this before. I've told you no, right? dissertation, yeah, but it was just like, it was the, the question was what, what is your, what is your, basically, what is your problem with, um, spirituality and and God? And so I had Mm -hmm. to sit there and write this whole thing out and it was a big, nasty, horrible, I haven't read it in years. Um, very negative mess. And I think once I got that out and, and again, it was just a placeholder. And I think sometimes that so and the other let me back up. So it's basically your God, my God, whoever's God. It's a personal thing. Right. It is not it's, it's that, not a shared that word, though. So that word really gets people. And like you yes. use the word <clears throat> placeholder. And I've always thought, well, we all need something to discuss this aspect of our lives. And so, so God is the so placeholder. God, place God is just the word that we all agree upon. So whether, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, it's a bear or a light or a spirit or um, right. a feeling or a vibration or an energy or it's fate or it's luck or it's whatever superstition, you know, that it may be for you. It's just yeah. when we all get together and we say, yeah, my higher power, or we talk about God, and um, it's just a way for us to discuss it, right? It's so that we all yeah. have the, we can all speak the same language about this thing that is deeply personal. We can express that idea with a placeholder word, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've always tried to um, to look at it that way, and and as soon as I did that, and also a lot of times people will tell you when when they're trying to bring you along in in the program. Let's get you past that, like that issue with God, you know, you don't, you don't have to believe, you know, one of the other, one of the other things I I was told was you just make the decision to believe you don't believe, right? You -hmm. just make that, you know, and it's that sort of like gentle suggestion, like maybe just so we can move on to the other things, because if you want to get sober, if you want to recover from alcoholism, which is kind of important, um, if you've made that, de- <laughs> if you made that decision, you've gone that That's far. That's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you, did you open up, did you crack the bottle of whiskey every single night and have faith that it was going to get you where you needed to be? And how many times was that faith destroyed nightly? You know? Right. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, one other way that it was described to me, the difference of like faith versus believing in things and, and trusting things is say you're, uh, Say your car broke down and you said, John, do you know where there's a good mechanic, man? I got to get this thing fixed. And I said, oh, yeah, I know my guy, uh, such and such, you know, uh, Ted, Ted does great work. You should go see Ted. And you're like, okay, well, I trust John. So I'm going to go take my car to Ted. And you take your car to Ted. He fixes it it up. He gives you a pretty good deal. You feel pretty good about it. It's still kind of high because, you know. It's a mechanic and it costs money and it's going to, you know, it's going to cost you some time without your car. And, and, um, and then something else goes wrong, like a few weeks later and something else goes wrong and you go, well, I guess I'll take it back to him. And he goes, oh man, that's no big deal. I'll take care of this. Boom, boom, boom. He fixes it up. He says, you know what? I'll just pay, charge you for the park free. You know, we'll do the labor for free because it didn't take me that long. And um, then you're like, wow, now I have faith that Ted will hook me up and take care of my car anytime that I have a repair that needs to be done. Yeah. Excuse me. So it was kind of described to me as like if my car is broken and I bring it to the to the auto mechanic, I can get it fixed. Yeah. Um, And sort of that that idea of faith. Now I have faith in this thing. And so. Um, why not continue for me to continue to believe that it's going to work out because it has, even in the worst of times, um, 
something, I mean, I certainly wasn't doing any good for myself to look after myself. I was, I was, I was actively trying to kill myself, whether I knew it or not. Um, but do you know about the, just that idea of we already have faith in a lot of things. We have faith in our own. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with that. Fully agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, it, you know, I love that, that analogy of like you crack, crack a bottle of bourbon and, or whiskey and you have faith is going to get you to where you're going and it, it, it gets you to where you want to get to, but it doesn't keep you there, you know? No. But, um, you know, I think when I think about it, it, it's more people that fuck things up. Even in recovery, they fuck up the idea of it, especially in the rooms, you know, in those 12 step programs. It's more the people that fuck it up than the actual concept of of a higher power in of itself. You know, there's this uh, prevailing attitude that I really get turned off by when I hear people and they say it because they're people. They're like, well, you can't make it out there unless you do have a higher power you can't make it sober and i'm like there's lots of people who make it sober without a higher power you can't judge what another person's doing Mm -hmm. in their recovery do you know i remember um i had a friend who went into the program and they worked really hard at it and then we were talking to each other and they said um have you gotten through your third step yet and i had like a couple years sober at that point fourth step have you gone through fourth step and i hadn't gone through the fourth step yet and they were like pushing through it fast this person had like nine months or something. Mm-hmm. And they were pushing through all those steps. Did you do four step yet? And I was like, no, nah, I didn't. I had, you know, it's been a, like a long process. It's taking a while. And they're like, wow, you must be dry as fuck right now. And I was like, no, I'm not actually. Yeah. I have hard fucking days, but I don't feel dry. I'm not over here shivering. You know what I mean? Like walking around mm-hmm. every time there's a Corona commercial, I start crying and shit, you know, like I'm just approaching my way of doing it differently than you, but I feel like sometimes people get like indoctrinated with that idea and they tend to fuck up that idea of the higher power for other people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or at least turn off new people who walk into the room and uh, they're susceptible to things and they're sensitive and then someone saying, this is the only way, this is the only way. And I'm like, there's other ways, man. There's other ways too, though. Mm-hmm. This isn't the only way. This is your only way, dog. Yeah, exactly. You need to say this so- <laughs> is my only way, and that always pisses me off. I always want to be like, "You're fucking totally wrong, dude." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. To that point, two things I want to say about um, something I read and something I heard. So in the in the episode where I had the talk with uh, Mishka Shubali, and he mm-hmm. says he talks about the fact that. You know, here's here's a guy who doesn't say there, but for the grace of God, go I. He says there, but for the grace of mom, go I. You know? Yeah. So and I heard I him. I, I listened to that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he also says he goes, he says, I, you know, there's a lot of us out here who, and I'm paraphrasing him, but uh, who saw something wrong in our lives and decided to fix it. And it's really fucking hard. So give us a little bit of credit, you yes. know, yeah. and um, we can sit here and, and you know, debate the ego in that statement or not. But it's true, I think, you know, for me, like it is hard and we do do it. And, you know, so to say, well, if you don't have a higher power, man, you're going to be lost. You know, you better yeah. get with the flock. And that's, I don't that's need... kind of fucked, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. I... Um, yeah. So I really love that, that he said that too, you know, about mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not just that. And also I'm reading um, the Annie Grace book. Um this naked mind. Yeah. And in the beginning, in the first few pages, there's some things that she says that kind of rub me the wrong way, um, about the way that I got sober and about the uh-huh. things that I believe. And then I go back and I think, <clears throat> didn't it tell me in this book that helped me get sober that, um, I should let go of old ideas. And yeah. so, yeah. Not and this is not me looking for a loophole to say that this book was wrong in any way because I believe emphatically that it saved my life and not just the book but the people around. So it. do I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as soon as I, because at first I was just sort of dismissive and judgmental as I'm reading this book and going, like you don't know, you don't know what I it, what it took and and. Are you talking about the the Annie Grace Annie? book? Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so but then I was thinking, oh, I'm supposed to let go of my old ideas. And so I kind of not in a way where I was like, well, throw this book away and put a new program in place. But right. just that maybe be a little more open minded because I'm also only 
I don't know, 30 pages in or something like that. So I'm right. going to finish the There book. may be a twist. There may be a twist. <laughs> right? Yeah. But just the idea of keeping an open mind is something that I got in recovery. Yeah. And sobriety. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Because beforehand I was obstinate. I was stubborn. Um, the only way I was I was nice to you was whether I was going to get something. And uh-huh. even in friendship, man, it was like, well, yeah, sure, we'll go over to Jerry's house and we're all going to drink and barbecue and we're going to, it was a comfortable place to sit and eat and get drunk and nobody yeah. would be ashamed of my behavior, right? right. Or your behavior yeah. or yeah. anybody's behavior. It was just sort of this mm-hmm. acceptable, um, like Pinocchio's Pleasure Island, wherever we're right. at, not just at your house, but we could smoke cigars and drink beer and turn into fucking jackasses. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so Exactly, yeah. And so wow. and so there was always this selfish um aspect of it. And then in recovery I'm like, I it's not about me. Very little is about me. I was out in the I was out in the woods today and I realized I was like, look at all this shit, all this life is going on and and mm-hmm. and even in there and so many other things all over the world and in the don't even talk about the universe, but how right. inconsequential I am. Well, to the lives then, of so many yeah, others. You fall off, like you said, that whitewater summer joke about being on that log, you know, crossing over that rope. Yeah. Like you fall in that stream and drown and die. That shit still keeps going. Yeah. Like it goes on without you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think about that all the time, John. I like, I'll go for walks even in the city and I'll go, man, if I keel over right now, this all continues moving at whatever direction it's going. I'm just like one little tiny thing in it. That doesn't mean shit, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm the center of everything around me. So I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I have to be the most important person here. But no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just a dude walking. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I'm having a hard time expressing it. But but I have to agree with you. This it's it's I don't know. But 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 also on that point, too, like you can get sober without a higher power. You can. Mm -hmm. You absolutely can. I don't know because I didn't do it without a higher power. I didn't do it without that concept. So I can't tell you it's wrong. I can't tell you it's going to be any harder than what I did. We're all different people. We all have different personalities, you know. But I've, the Mishka is a great example. There's lots of people out there. There's mm-hmm. people I know personally who have had decades of sobriety who went to like maybe two meetings in the beginning and they're like, nah, not doing that. And then they just. <laughs> They just didn't drink. You know what I mean? I just don't I just don't do it anymore because my life sucks. My sister Faith and I'm allowed to pull her out on, on, on the podcast. My sister Faith is forty years old. She hasn't had a drink in twenty years. And she's not an alcoholic. She's not at all. Faith could probably drink like a normal person, I imagine. Maybe not though. I don't know. I haven't seen her drunk in twenty years. Yeah. Over twenty years. Well, that's a good she sign. She just <laughs> didn't like the way it made her feel. And every mm-hmm. time she got drunk or drank a little too much she'd wake up and have a panic a panic attack so in faith's mind faith went well every time i drink i don't feel good and i don't like it so i'm not going to do it and she just doesn't do it she just doesn't and now did faith have a prior drinking problem i I don't think so i mean she's definitely the child of my parents you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. raised in the same environment i was with the same genetics you know we just win that lottery but so i look at her and go what makes her different than an alcoholic right the obsession Mm-hmm. So then how do you deal with the obsession? Like you discipline, higher power? What is it? I think, you know, I mean, everybody's different. I think it's a bit of both. I, for me, right. I, again, you can do it. You can do it on your own and be, it's, again, I didn't come from that, um, right. that perspective. So I, I hate to speculate and say, right. oh, it's going to be a lot tougher. You better yeah, get yourself a sponsor. But um, the thing is, I used to think that way. Mm-hmm. I did. I used to think that I would see people getting sober without the program, and I'd feel bad. Like, damn, dude, it's going to be really hard for them. Man, it's going to be tougher for them. And I'd say within the past like year, I've really changed my perspective on that. You mm-hmm. know, and I don't know if I'm going to walk away from the rooms. You know, I like them. I don't go as much as I used to, but I like I like the camaraderie. I like being in there. I like hearing the messages. I like using what they say and using their concepts as a tool and sharing these concepts of overcoming this obsession we have, you know, like yeah. this really fucking, we are obsessed with this thing, you know, and that is to feel different than the way we already feel. You know? We're still obsessed. We're still talking about it years later. Right now we're sitting here, man, this could be a whole podcast. We could do our own gluten podcast where I tell you about how I doctor up my ramen every day and shit. How do you, know? you doctor like, it up? Dude, an egg. 
uh, I do some chicken breast, some green onions and garlic and mm. uh, car- carrots mm. and uh, cilantro every once in a while. You should put Just a little sesame seeds up. on there too. Bam. Mm-hmm. Doctored up ramen, right? That'd be a whole podcast right there. Just Jerry's. Jerry's. Oh, and the other day I was eating ramen and it said 190 calories on the back per serving. And then I realized Ooh. this whole time I've been eating the ramen and there's two servings per package and I've been eating the entire serving, not eating both servings, not realizing it. So I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cheap, man. 200 calories just for some noodles. I'm good. Not realizing I've eaten like so all this time you've been that. you've been eating mad ramen. It's been a fucking lie, dude. It's been a lie. <laughs> you you had faith that it was it was taken away from you. It was the, taken it, away from me, dude. Um, so I th- I think discussing the secular aspect of it is I I wouldn't say it's disingenuous of us. I just don't think we have the experience of the secular aspect. Correct. Not from the very beginning. I do believe that oh. there are some. I do believe there are some secular or 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 aspects of recovery that um, because everybody has a different anchor. I feel like in Word. recovery, I think some yeah. people that I've met are super spiritual, and that's what keeps them sober. There are some people who go to meetings, and that's what keeps them sober. There are mm-hmm. some people who work with others, and that's what keeps them. You know, that's their anchor. Or whether it's working in hospitals and jails and institu- hospitals and institutions, you know. And so there's all these different ways that you can find an anchor to your sobriety. Spirituality is one of them. But there are all these things that you can do, like helping other people is just a, in any way is huge. So yeah. what, what are those, what are the, what are the secular things that I do? I mean, I get up and I write every day. I did a lot of writing in the beginning specifically about, um, my alcoholism, my sobriety. Um, the, the other things that I get up, even stuff like making sure I get enough exercise these days, because if I don't, yeah. I don't feel well. So I don't work I don't vibrate on that higher vibration that I like, that I feel inspired by, you know? And yeah. and I don't feel inspired every single day, but I like to. So <laughs> if these things help me get to that point, if it's lift the dumbbells, go for a run, and um, write in my journal, then I'm going to do those things every single day because uh, I want to find that that higher vibration of inspiration and yeah. trying to give back to, to the world in general that I've, that I feel like I've taken a lot from and not that I've not that I do it out of guilt for, you know, past transgressions, but because it makes me feel good to help people. So yeah, I think finding something that that you can anchor yourself to in sobriety and in recovery regardless of what it is is important finding that aspect of it that you that you really love that you that you get excited of i mean if yeah. for you you know maybe it's maybe it's doing a podcast jerry i don't know maybe it's maybe you know maybe it doesn't have to be going to seven meetings a week and well for me like personally what i was going to say was also it's looking at finding the reason why you got sober and mm-hmm. why you continue to remain sober and then in the beginning you say okay well i got sober because i was sick of feeling like shit and my wife was going to leave me and i was suicidal and then over time those reasons start to lessen right like you hit kind of this sweet kind of safe spot over a while and you're like okay these big crises have now been averted i have new tiny crises i got to deal with or new different problems you know leveling up from bad problems to good problems Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think um just reminding yourself of those things is for me personally has helped me out a lot. And then from there, once I find that sweet spot, it's other things. I have to remind myself, okay, I've gotten past all that shit. What am I capable of doing now? And what was I not capable of doing before? You know, because I had that, that obstacle that I put in front of myself, you know, it's like you, right? Like I love, I was, we were talking before the podcast, how I love your Instagram. Cause it's all motivational shit. It's like, I'm going to fucking, my ankles hurt, but I'm going to keep walking. And I'm, you know, I was teasing you being like one foot in front of the other man. I'm going to get out in nature and fucking breathe in the air, you know? And, and like the cynic in me wants to tease you, but only it's all good natured. But like, I'm really proud of you because John five years ago wouldn't have done that shit. You wouldn't have even have expressed that in a public forum because you would feel self-conscious about it. Do you know what I mean? So even within your own life, you're seeing your possibilities, you're seeing what you're capable of and you're, 
using you're becoming more confident you're like this is who i am this is what i do i enjoy this yeah i don't give a fuck if you laugh at me for enjoying it like i enjoy it i'm gonna go out in the woods and wear a funny hat and that funny do my hat shit has saved you know what i mean neck, save your ass exactly it's hot dude. and sunny out there but yeah I, I i put on sweatpants i put on a jogging suit that matches and it's like a dad jogging suit mm-hmm. and i don't even jog most of the time i'll jog like a quarter of my walk and i'll just walk like three to four miles mm-hmm. in the mornings and I feel great. I love it. I'll listen to podcasts. I'll listen to music. I get in my head and think. And like I never, even sober, I would have never have thought of doing that. You know, it's yeah. like almost you start hitting those sweet spots where your life starts changing. You see your possibilities start opening up. Yeah. That's that's another way to, to do it, I guess, mm-hmm. in a secular sense, you know, like, okay, I got the bad shit out of the way. There will always be bad shit, but I got the major bad shit out of the way. And now what can I do with my life? Like, what the fuck can you do with your life? No, Maybe yeah. you like working. Go to work if you like it. Do mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Maybe you like fishing. Fuck yeah, go fish. Maybe you can catch better fish because you're not all shit can hungover. You know, like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, when you talk about, you talk about walking and I, this is something that I've been, I started walking when I was, you know, much i was almost i think i was almost 50 pounds heavier last august uh-huh. yeah and I, I noticed yeah you have been walking for a while and yeah. so and i would just do it maybe like maybe i'd get out for a mile and i wouldn't do it every day and i would i'd want to do it every day and there was this whole process of like hemming and hawing and putting on my shoes and then sitting outside and then trying to get there and it it didn't again it didn't happen every day but I kind of wish that I would have logged more and I love to look back on the little, I use the little, um, my hike, the, uh, Oh, that my hike app or whatever yeah, it is. My Plan hike. my hike or whatever. Or yeah, my, hike, my pal, hike or map my map hike, my hike yeah. is a great one. And it, it I couldn't understand it. <laughs> well, it's, it's once you get, explain yeah. it to me. Yeah. When we get off, tell me because I, I, I fucking erase. I like fucking got rid. I was like, fuck this app. I got rid of it. And it's, it's always, yeah, you just got to log it up. But, I would suggest to anybody who wants to see real tangible um, uh, difference is to log whatever on a piece of paper or however, go out for a walk and just walk as long as you feel like it. And if you don't feel like it after a block, then come home, but write that down. And then if you're getting sober and you're, you're in some sort of program of recovery or whether it's your own or with a group of people or whatever it is, then just start logging that in. Go for a walk every day or every yeah. other day or and just see how f- much farther it gets the further along in recovery. Because in August of last year, I was barely walking a mile like maybe three times a week. Yeah. And then today, I couldn't wait to get up and go for this. I went I only went for I only went for four miles. <laughs> up and down the fucking mountain you know yeah. and i'm mm-hmm. just like who am i who is this person so yeah. i think these are real tangible things that i can look at and know that there's proof that what i'm doing is the right thing right um jerry mm-hmm. and i talked about this earlier and i have to i have to share this because i just had this this moment this epiphany this uh this evening i was laying on the bed and I was kind of just rubbing my chest. I was just laying, just, you know, whatever. I'm just staring off and getting ready to do something else. And I was like, there's this bump in the middle of my chest. What is this? Is this a tumor? Oh, no. And then I realized I haven't felt my sternum in like 20 years. Yeah, Yeah, dude. And I like related immediately because I went through that about, I'd say seven or eight months ago Mm -hmm. when I started losing all the weight, maybe longer, like, yeah, about eight months ago when I dramatically lost the weight, not dramatically, but lost enough weight that I could feel it. And I'm like, same thing. I'm like, I'm like, Megan, I think I have like a calcified cyst or something. And then my wife felt it and she's like, that's your fucking rib cage, dude. Like that's your sternum. That's what it's supposed to do. And I'm like, I just, I couldn't feel it over the titty, dude. Like I said earlier, I just had one big titty right there. I had like a tire. It was like Mine was like a, just a warm roll of cookie dough that would just lay right, right there, you know? Both of our, both oh. were sensual. That's what I'm saying. In our own aspect, <laughs> yours is warm cookie dough. Mine was a big old titty. Like it's very sensual. So You know what I was going to say though, yeah. listening to you talk about these hikes and stuff too, is you are building new aspects to your personality. You are becoming this new person. And I, I really felt like when I was drunk all the time, I just stayed the same motherfucker. Yeah. Like I, there's no depth to what I was doing. I drank, I was drunk, and I was hungover, and that was it. 
you yeah. know, like, and I was mad or sad or it was like one of four or five core emotions, but I wasn't building a new aspect of my personality. It's like just running on that hamster wheel. Yeah. You know, then and you're I, right. I watch you and you're like this guy who's like, dude, you're out there. You're like, I'm finally moving in the world, you know? It's great. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. stoked. Uh, if if you want to see my Instagram stories about the hikes, you can find me at Sonic John they're, zero zero they're zero. It's like it's either hiking or weird neighborhood animals like cats and dogs and and deer or like slow motion meme. slow motion get gladiator yes. shots through like the grass with a gimbal. It's really pretty. Those are my those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, you're right, man. Like that's really that's something that you you're right. There was no yeah. growth. There was no none, there was no breadth none. to my personality. My personality was how funny and clever can I be? How can I cut down the person next to me to look funnier mm-hmm. and cleverer? How drunk can I get? Still have a good time and be allowed in somebody else's house. And then when yes. that ended, it was like, well, fuck it. I'll just go back to my house where there were no rules. And I could just lay in bed and drink or I would lay in bed. There would be times where I would know, God, I remember these two. I would have like a long weekend in between work. I would work like I was working four nights a week at the time. And so that very last day, I would be so hungover. uh, And but I was so afraid to drink that day because I couldn't have a hangover for the next day of work. Yeah. So I would be hungover. I wouldn't even get out of bed till like 7 p.m. Some of those like Mm -hmm. Tuesday nights. And I would just lay in bed and like watch a movie on my computer or something like that, or the Thirty Rock DVDs that that I had, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And I was just so awful and hellish, and just this like shivering, you know. Ugh, it was horrible, and there there was no time to, like you said, develop another personality trait or or develop another interest or become anything. Just, yeah, be yeah, exactly. Explore what you are, you know, mm-hmm. like. And I get it, man. I suffer from clinical depression. Like I know, I know that it's dark and it's hard, man. I I know that I don't want to explore nothing. Sometimes I don't want to fucking explore anything. I just want to explore, not getting going anywhere. You know, just laying there. I've been there, but yeah, I don't know, man. Just I I I wouldn't. I don't think I would trade it back again. I mean, for the temptation of what feeling good for like a couple hours. You know, it's just not worth it to me anymore. I think that's another thing that keeps me sober too. Is like I, I like myself now the way I am. I don't think I don't I I mean, ah man, I wouldn't trade it back. I mean that's why we're doing this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So we can make sure we don't trade it back. Mm-hmm. But, but uh. Well, I mean, it's just another. I think another thing is um for me, and yeah, is is accountability, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm having a bad week and I'm uh feeling like I need to have a drink. I, I, I have people I can call, and I think that that's an important thing is to have a good support oh, group, yeah. mm-hmm. even even years down the road. Um, that can be your higher power, your support mm-hmm. group, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But I know that for you know, if I get in, get on the get on the mic with you and I drank, like I'm gonna have to be accountable to that. Or if I yeah, if, I thought of that. If I if I just was like, yeah, we're not doing it this week, you'd probably be like, what's wrong? Something ain't right, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So I think that that's another one of those things that's not necessarily a spiritual aspect. You know, that's more of a, a secular aspect is having some accountability for yes. your actions. And mm-hmm. again, not so that somebody can wag a finger at you every time that you're doing something bad. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's important to be to be held accountable if you want to change and if you want to grow. And right. And the growing is like the next level shit, right? Mm-hmm. Because like I said earlier, you're going at first, you're just dealing with what you got to deal with on the bat. You don't got to grow yet. I, and I don't, I hate to throw out what you have to and don't have to do. I'm talking to myself, right? Yeah. I was telling myself, you don't have to grow yet. You don't have to get big yet. Just, just fucking take care of your shit, dude. And make sure you can live life without having to do that shit. And then you can like level up eventually, you know? Cause it's still every day. I gotta tell myself, I, you know, I'm living life without that shit. And yeah, I guess it's like a little navel gazing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just constantly be like, yeah, I have to live. But it's not a sad thing. It's just like, yeah, I live my life without this shit. You know, like I don't need that shit. I don't need it. And there are some days where I'm like, man, I wish I had some of that shit. Every, you know, once every six months or something. You know, but ah, man. I, just... you know, I've even felt too after the last time that I had my little mini depression. Um, 
Your depression D minor. Yes, my depression you, yes, D minor. It's so fucking dramatic, dude. I can tell you're a Morrissey fan because of that shit, right? It's just Absolutely. like very flamboyant. I wear my black depression. on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside. So flamboyant, dude. Um, so what I then realized was that it it has it it has a um it has an expiration date. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the next time it happens. I'm going to just hunker down and I'm going to, I'm just going to let it run its course like a flu or a fever. I don't get the it's flu and think I'm going to be like is. this forever. Yeah. You yeah. know, next it's time I get the, what it is. it's an emotional yeah. flu. With some people, I imagine yeah. with other people, it's kind of chronic, you know, but I imagine those people should probably seek therapy and counseling and maybe get on medication for it, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think typically it runs its course, you know, absolutely. It's like an emotional flu. That's, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm now I'm just thinking, and again, the, the, the recovery time is faster and faster and faster every day. And it yeah. gets mm-hmm. exponentially just even when I, you know, we talked, we talk about this all the time about being angry at somebody and then getting over it much quicker instead of mm-hmm. holding on to the anger. Oh yeah. Fast. <clears throat> my, my wife pissed me off today and I was over it in like 20 <laughs> minutes. Not even, I was over it in about 15 minutes. Right. Whereas I, she even at one point I was still a little pissed and she looked at me and she's like, Hey, I totally misspoke. I didn't mean to talk to you like that. Like we had to disagree about something really fucking just nothing. It was nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. And typically I would have been pissed at her all day cause I got my feelings hurt and I would have been mad at her all day. And she said, and I was still a little butthurt and she was like, Hey, you know, I'm really sorry. We, I came at you kind of wrong and I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Please don't be mad at me all day. And then at that moment I was like, you know what? I don't have to be fucking mad at you all day like you straight up just apologize like we're cool like you didn't mean it you were just in a moment we were in a moment you know you just gotta Whereas, elsa like, that shit i gotta elsa it so i elsa it right but i mean back in the day i would have been like fuck no you were mean to me you hurt my feelings i tried to do something nice you're being a dick about it but nah i was like yeah you know what i do that i have those moments all the time i get it yeah we're cool you're cool I, she got mad at me because I threw away a fucking 40-pound box of sand. Dude. Dude, I went to the dump today, right? <laughs> and we went to the beach. And she's like, let's get all of some sand. And this was back in 2015. Okay. 2016. So we got all of this big Tupperware full of sand, right? And it was like good 40 pounds of sand. And it, Olive played with it. She was a baby. So she played like twice. Didn't give a fuck. And then took it out recently and like filled a kiddie pool with it and then played with it for like an hour and was like, she's a kid, so she just runs off, doesn't give a shit. So today I'm going to the dump and it's in the pile with all the dump stuff. So I like strained myself to get this Tupperware container, took it to the dump, threw it in the dump, super stoked. I was like, fuck you, Sand, you're out of my life. And uh, came and told her and she was like, why'd you throw away a brand new Tupperware container? And I'm like, really? You're mad at me for a $4 Tupperware container and 40 pounds of sand? I'm like, we can go get more sand if you'd like some more sand, if it's that important, you know? But she was just having a moment. She'd just gotten off of work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She was like, you just, in my mind, I was like, you threw away a perfectly good thing. But I guess the point of all that is that I would have held that longer. I would have held that longer. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's too much. Can you hear my dog barking? Yes. It's fucking going wild down there. That's new to the podcast. You people can have that one for free. If anybody's got any sand, just email us, please, so we can get some sand to Jerry. We'll give it to the barking dog downstairs. <laughs> yes. he, eat it. I'll, I'll feed it to him in a funnel. I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding. I love dogs. I love dogs. He's a sweet dog. Um. Uh, what were we talking about? Sand. Oh, letting it go. Letting it go. Letting it go. Um, it's my long sands. I'm so, just, I can go pound sand, basically. So here's... Yes, go pound sand. So here's another thing that I have found that I would put in the secular column. Um, although, let me just say that in my own experience... Um, having a spiritual aspect to a lot of these things is very, has been very helpful, has been important in some of them has been crucial. Um, but talking about forgiveness and forgiving yourself, um, is really important. Forgiving yourself for the things you've done in the past that don't exist anymore. And that's easier said than done. And yes, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're thinking about all the shitty things you've done and you're like, well, these two jokers are just going to tell me to forgive myself. How can I forgive myself? I'm such a piece of shit. I'm such a miserable, pathetic, 
excuse of a person. And I've, these right. are, these are, these are voices I've heard in my own head. Yes, um, me too. I would say, be gentle, be kind. Don't give too much merit or credit to that voice. And, um, go for that walk that I was talking about before. Uh, there's something, there's something magical about just walking and without any purpose or direction and just yeah. being able to clear your head of those yeah. things and finding a way to forgive yourself. And it goes a long way to, you know, being able to forgive other people too. Um, and having them forgive you so that you can move on from those things. Um, what else is what else is secular versus I don't again I don't want to say versus but more of um yeah it's a it's a battle <laughs> the battle of sobriety secularism versus spirituality um I just feel like for me like I wonder what my anchor is I mean is my anchor um I would say there's there's it's a pretty big spiritual program I don't go out and do a lot of praying um but i think it's pretty important to me like being out in the yeah me t- no i mean just being no out i just pictured you like at a park bench with your subway sandwich just being like dear god bless us for this bounty while you're like waiting for the bus and your jimmy johns <laughs> praying over my jimmy johns yeah it's even better than or subway no cut well, that subway part we're going all jimmy johns so the so speaking of so i've read this that it's important to 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 bless your food because um, like it's energy. So if I say whatever it is I'm eating, if I say these are good, nutritious, healthy calories that I am taking in, then you give those, you give that vibration to the calories that you're taking oh, in and then you become one with the vibration. I mean, it's I definitely a viewpoint. Yeah, it's definitely a viewpoint. <laughs> you should try blessing the bag of Doritos you sit down with and see how you feel. I only afterwards. eat seven. I eat seven at a time, dude. I'll, I'll count out seven and eat them like a, like a man who's on an island dying. Just each Dorito, I just suck all the fucking flavor off them. Because I only eat seven, 70 calories. Sometimes I'll eat the full 15, but Ooh. usually I just eat seven. 1,550 calories. That's on the weekend. Get a little wild. I'm having 15 Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh, man. There's how many calories in seven? 150 calories for 15. So okay. it's, it's about, 10. about 10, 10 or 11 of Dorito, about more or less. Well, I mean, bless, it or bless your food. You're going to go eat seven Doritos now. Watch. I'm more of a but corn yeah, chip bless... kind of guy when I get my, my veggie burritos, but The Juanitas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I bless my food, I guess. I, I'm grateful for it. I, I I think at this point, I'm just more like glad I have food to eat, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just happy that I got this. You know, some people don't got it. And, there was a yeah. time where I didn't have it. And I remember, yeah. like, being broke as fuck. And, yeah. Yeah. And just scraping money for beer. We, we, we pulled change out of the couch cushions and went and got all the recycle from the laundry room just to go. And all we did was buy beer and chicken. We got yeah, KFC. Yeah, fried chicken and KFC, which is expensive, man. We must have been high rolling. With, <clears throat> we must have been beer flush. Change. <laughs> flush with deposit money, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, it's just what device works for you. I don't. There's no wrong way to do it. The only wrong way to do it is to drink. <laughs> I think that's the only wrong way to do it, right? I mean, if sobriety I mean, I, is what you're looking for, if yeah. sobriety is what you're looking for, if you're looking for inner peace or like being able to accept yourself, there are other ways to do that, and they can be through therapy or through a spiritual program or through a group program that has nothing to do with spirituality. It is always super helpful to be with an, a group of people who suffer from what you suffer because you can relate. You can give each other tips on what works for you. You know, like. That whole uh, that whole sobriety recovery meme for alcoholics about eating candy, I relate to it. You know, what's like that? I have what's a, the meme? That... Just the meme is just oh, that we all fucking idea. eat candy in the beginning because because mm-hmm. uh, our endocrine system is all super jacked from all the sugar we've been drinking, the fermented fruit, and so mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I loved candy until I stopped drinking bourbon. You know, and I was <laughs> like, I'll fucking fuck some chocolate covered cherries up, man. Mm-hmm. I will. I like, you can only have one. Fifty calories for one. I used to get the big bags of M and M's, and by big bags, yeah. I mean the mm-hmm. the big ones. The pill, the pillowcase from Costco <laughs> that had just a zipper on the it. Zip, yes, yeah. I yeah. would get the zipper bag of M and M's, and I would put them in the little drawer next to my bed, 
and I would wait yeah. until the day was over, and I would, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I would take just it. It's almost like your vodka, man. You, like, <laughs> replace your vodka with sweets. But I feel like being around other people who can relate to and you can relate to, most importantly, yes. is going to be super helpful. So I think any way you decide to stay sober and is great. Now, if you want to, like, level it up and try to recover – as a human being and recover parts of yourself that you never knew or you want to get back again, then yeah, there are other ways to do it. There's tons of ways to do it. Mm -hmm. We have lots of fucking resources now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, so I wanted to ask, I wanted to mention this and ask you about this. It's all about how you define sobriety too, because I know people and I'm, I'm going to be talking to a gentleman here soon and he's, he now does he produces Kevin Hart's radio program and oh, he really? was he was from what I from what little I understand and we're gonna find out more about him, but um he was uh he was a severe alcoholic and addict and um I think there was something he was talking it was either about ayahuasca or some kind of thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him all about it. So it's like there's way different ways to um to define your sobriety, right? You can say, well, yes. I don't, I just don't want to drink. Or, um, you know, when you read articles by Mishka Shubali and he talks about, well, I, you know, I take mushrooms twice a year. Like mm-hmm. I would not consider him a addict or an alcoholic or somebody that I can't relate to. I find, you know, he's somebody that I relate to very much in sobriety, even if his definition is different from mine. So right. what, how would you I just want to ask you about the medical, uh, the not medical, the marijuana maintenance that you. I've, you I don't through. know, man. Like, well, I mean, that was so brief, though. It was like yeah. three months, four months, you know. I mean, I can't even remember how long it was. I didn't use marijuana in an addictive sense in the beginning. It was mm-hmm. just to alleviate the anxiety and like the sleeplessness and the, the just the withdrawal in general. I probably should have gone to a doctor. I mean, I wasn't having major DTs or anything, but, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I either, I had no money for a doctor and I was like, they're just going to give me benzos anyway, you know? And I don't want to take benzos because I liked pills too. I mean, yeah. I wasn't like a pill addict, mm-hmm. but I love me some Percocets, oh, yeah. you know? Like, so I don't know because I'm not the boss of anybody's definition of sobriety. But if, but I also will think kind of funny of you if you're like, yeah, I'm sober. I just do Coke all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? like, and yeah. I'm like, well, your definition must be really different than mine. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get in a car with you or anything. Like, I'm not going to let you drive me anywhere. But that, I'll but give I, you a I'm thumbs not, up, man. And uh, I'm not in charge of your sobriety because I know people. Yeah, I, 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 I think I do know people who still smoke marijuana and are going through recovery or people who still do psychedelics and are going through recovery. You know, I it's not up to me what you do. That's up to you. You know, but Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I think that even in those, even in those moments, right. So that maybe that's part of the process. I don't know if marijuana, cocaine, some people could say that I was abusing M&Ms and salami. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, but it's up to you at the end of the day, you you know, know, like I was killing myself with ice cream. Right. Mm-hmm. So and it's but you found that to be unmanageable. So you're like, I'm done I, I fucking got, around with ice cream. I did it's fucking my shit up. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I but I still feel like that was part of the process because mm-hmm. it was still an addiction. It was a food addiction that I had for a very specific yeah. food. Um. Well, it was it was sugar and it was you yeah know, dairy and all that stuff. But so again, it's all part of this process. So if you're finding yourself. I would just, I I might suggest, I would suggest that if you're finding yourself wondering whether or not you're sober and you want to quit drinking, but you're also doing something else, don't beat yourself up about it just yet. If you were, if <laughs> just you, yet, well, <laughs> I, I know what you mean though, but my, my point is, is that if you're using something in a way, like if you have taken the time to look at your life and don't like the way that you were using alcohol and you want to change that. And, you know, if, if say, if I started just, I quit alcohol, but I was eating candy and I was eating ice cream to the point where I was almost, I was throwing up in my mouth in my sleep because I would eat mm-hmm. two pints of ice cream and then I would lay, I would go to bed and I would wake up with sugar in the back of my throat puking it up. Mm-hmm. So 
at some point I had to say I'm using this ice cream as a crutch and this is an this is an addictive behavior around this substance yeah. regardless mm-hmm. of what that substance was it was an addictive behavior that was mirroring my alcohol behavior yeah. um so I then have to look at that thing now if you would ask me to I need you to quit drinking. I need you to quit eating ice cream. I need you to quit with the M&Ms. I need you to quit this. I would have been like, you're fucking out of your mind. It just wasn't going well, to happen. Yeah. That was just no. the process I had to go through to get there. So yeah. eventually I had to beat myself up a little bit and say, this is not okay. It became right. unmanageable. Unmanageable. So. And and that's that I like using that language. Yes, I we, we crib that from the rooms, but mm-hmm. it's the greatest way to put it is can I no longer manage my life with my actions? Be it drinking or cocaine or jacking off or mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Playing Fallout seventy six for thirty two hours straight or whatever. Is that's that what not you me. Did this only, weekend? No. No, nah, no, nah, man. I've only played for like four hours over no, nah, maybe five hours over two days. Okay. But but still, like I, I see myself in those habits of video games sometimes, and I have to back out of them and be like, yo, mm-hmm. I got to take a break because I'm kind of obsessing over this shit. It is a problem with obsession, right? Mm-hmm. And once those obsessions start affecting your life, impacting your life in a super negative way, you know, you really need to reassess and maybe pull back. But one thing at a time, like you said, if you told me that I, when I got sober, if someone said to me, you're not allowed to smoke. Uh, <laughs> Two, two puffs off of a bowl so you can go to sleep every night. You know what I mean? And you can't smoke cigarettes anymore and fuck drinking those two red, those two fucking rock stars. You can't do any of that. I'd just be drinking again. Be like, well, okay, never mind. You know, because even with the marijuana maintenance I was going through, I wasn't smoking like a joint or doing dabs. Mm-hmm. Like I, my wife would smoke pot and I'd literally take the bowl and hit it twice and then go to sleep. You know, it wasn't yeah. even like a middle of the day thing. So for me, it was. And maybe I'm justifying my own way on a podcast in front of dozens of people, but mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. It's I, I, I don't know how I feel about it because I'm not the police of someone else's sobriety. No, but if you're off, if you're fucking getting high, like I won't let you drive my kid's school bus or whatever. You know? <laughs> exactly. So it's just, yeah. But I just I just wanted to bring up the point that it's really about the definition and what you're trying to achieve. It's a life. weird definition, right? And if someone's telling you. I don't know, man. Even then, if someone's telling you like, oh, well, you're not really sober because of blah, blah, blah. I mean, you really need to question what they're saying. And really, it's none of their fucking business unless you're paying them rent or they're like you're married to them or something. You know what I mean? Exactly. Unless you have some like some dude in the room is like, well, you can't do that. He's just like, you know what, Jack? I don't know you, man. Like, <laughs> I got to go. I guess I'm going to another meeting. Exactly. You know, Jack, is that like is that like your dad swearing? You know, Jack, I gotta go. Listen, no, Jack, I stole that from I don't know what I stole it from. No, my dad swears in Spanish, dude, mm. like exclusively, almost in Spanish. It seems like you can get away with it a little bit better. Yeah, well, he's good at it. He speaks fluent Spanish. And I want to, you know, one thing too. So I'm reading this book called Born to Run. And it's all about ultra marathon. Like these people are fucking insane. They run hundreds of miles, right? Right. Yeah. And this guy's talking about these trail runs in these in the Copper Canyons in Mexico. I think that's mm-hmm. where it's at. And it's just like it's hot and it's dry and it's rocky and it's hilly. And um, he and I was I was having some trouble getting up one of these these trails, and I was thinking about it. But he talks about the rocks on the trail, and there are two kinds of rocks on the trail. There are the uh, Ayudacitos, the helpers. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I say that right? Ayu, yeah, Ayudacito. Ayudacito. Uh-huh. And then there's, the, then there's the Chingoncito. There's the little yeah, bastards. The, the little bastards, <laughs> yeah, the fuckers, dude, the so, Chingoncitos. The Chingoncitos. Yeah. So you have to know yeah. which is which, right? So if you're going on the trail, there's some rocks that you can actually use to leverage and spring off of and get a little yeah. more speed and then there's uh-huh. the ones that are all kind of gravelly and slippery and you they'll fuck you up and they you will mm-hmm. fall on your ass or this on your the face chingasitos. the chingasitos yeah, the, little, the little fuckers is literally what it translates mm-hmm. to little fucker yeah <laughs> and so and sometimes you see a little ayudcito but it's really a chingasito so you got to uh, be careful right so right that would be if anybody was asking that would be my advice on the trail of sobriety oh <laughs> shit keep going to look oh, for shit. look for the little helper rocks that work for uh-huh. you um on the way up to the top of the hill 
you know, and make sure you step lightly and you can, you can grab onto these ones and you find those things and just stay away from the chingasitos, the little gravelly ones just want to pull you and drag you back down and scrape up your knees and fuck up your face. Mm -hmm. Don't listen to them. (laughs) And sometimes what you think will be an ayudacito could be a chingasito. Like you're smoking weed and it's helping you. And then the next thing you know, you're Mm -hmm. all, you know what I'm saying? Like. Absolutely. There are some little rocks that switch their meaning as well. Mm-hmm. Damn, I like this. I'm, I'm stealing that. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at a is for alcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.